where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Dan Hornstein. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I was watching South Park. <laughs> I was watching South Park yesterday, and they had the episode where they had Chris Hansen, and he goes, he goes, welcome to Dateline. I'm Chris Hansen. And that's what it made me think of, so I'm sorry. I'm threw, Dan Hornstein. You just threw a wrench in my whole I did. thing here at the beginning. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Uh, so if you haven't heard us before, this podcast is a music-based podcast for anyone who enjoys music. On this podcast, Dan and I each pick an album for the week, and we listen to it and come together and give a brief bio of the artist and then discuss why we picked it and have a conversation about it. And real quick, before we get into today, uh, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me at Mr. Underscore Pockets 21. You can find Dan on Instagram at Dwight Privilege. <laughs> and you can also send us an email at wherepad, oh, geez, wherepod at gmail.com. Uh, and this week we have our first guest, uh, Drew Jordan, who keeps running his hair through his, f- running his hands through his hair like a jackass, rubbing it into Dan and I. Have you noticed that? No. I- <laughs> the whole time he's been here, like, takes his hat off, runs his hand through his hair. I'm like, thanks. Thanks, dude. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to anything he was doing. I wasn't so. trying to. <laughs> Or sane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Drew's here. Hey. <laughs> for those for those of you um, just listening to the podcast and not peering through the window right now, I'm the only one with hair. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> I thought somebody was actually looking through the window. For a <laughs> I thought you were being serious. I don't think this is a video podcast. No. no. <laughs> Thankfully. We know better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lesson you only need to learn one time, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, real quick before we get into the album, we're going to go do Sniggles. And Dan, do you want to describe it real quick? Okay. So Drew, you're new to the podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about what Sniggles is all about. I'm afraid. Each <laughs> week, Mark and I review not only an album, but we review a single that was released as well. The reason we call it Sniggles is a little bit of a personal tribute. Once upon a time, I knew a really cool guy named Grant who was a rock journalist in Seattle in the late 80s and early 90s and got to be there for the break of grunge, the entire explosion of all of it. He wrote a lot about it. His big claim to fame as a quick side note was he invented the type setting font for Nirvana's logo that they used on Nevermind and stuff and never got paid a cent. Mm. Grant's a great guy. Love him to death. Uh, One of the stories he tells is when they filmed the Cameron Crowe movie Singles Mm. in Seattle that has Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains is in a key scene in there. Everybody thought it was kind of this bullshit movie and they were just not into it at all. And they used to call it Sniggles to make fun of it. And so we thought, let's take Sniggles it's a silly sounding word, and let's just make that what we call this. So that's okay. a little bit about sniggles and singles. <laughs> yeah. So this week, Dan, what did you pick for your sniggle? There's a band that I really like called Metz, M-E-T-Z, and their new song is called Acid. Um, just a little bit of background. Metz, Metz is kind of a noise rock mm-hmm. alternative punk-ish band, a little bit hard to, to pigeonhole. And I love their first two records. They have a self-titled record that came out in like 2015. It's outstanding. Their second record is Mets 2 is really good. 
Since then, they've released two more records, Strange Peace and Atlas Vending, that I thought weren't as good as those first couple of records for me. Um, but their new song, Acid, that we just reviewed, man, I, I dig this. It's, it's a very cool song. It's got a, it starts with like a lot of feedback to it, but when it kicks in, it's got a really good groove. Um, the song just kind of rocks. It's, it's a dirty sounding song. I love, there are a couple things I love about this, and then I want to hear y'all's thoughts mm-hmm. too. Um, number one, I like how their, their singer's not a great singer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great, that's a great uh, thing to say about a band. Like, I love how your, uh, your singer sucks. And that's just one of the best things about your band. It, re- it really is though <laughs> for me, like <laughs> being very genuine. I, I like that. He's, uh, there's some imperfections there in a, in almost a, I got like big Nirvana vibes from this, like early big Nirvana. Time territorial pissings bleach same same i was listening and i was like oh this is like territorial pissings that's just wild sound a lot of noise fun stuff i i i'm a huge nirvana fan perfect one of my first albums i ever purchased with my own money and uh yeah i I was super into it so that's what i was digging about this is the imperfections of it but Still very catchy in the same way that Nirvana and Old Mudhoney is still very catchy. Like, I'm not going to walk away singing this, but while I'm listening to it, like, it's, 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 it's got a beat. You can dance to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically that thing you do, you know? It really feels like it. Yeah. With the (laughs) O'Neaters. What did you think, Mark? Oh, okay. I was going to ask Drew. Um, be honest with you. I really struggled with both these songs. Like the... The the work of the music and the creativity a part of it I enjoyed, and for as much as I like noise core artists like Training for Utopia, I just couldn't get into Acid. Okay, and I kept trying Slow Decay. I liked a little bit better. Still wasn't something I'm like I want to listen to this more. And I finally figured out on Slow Decay what it was. Slow Decay has this overabundance of chorus effect on the guitars and the vocals and. Growing up in the 90s, listening to a lot of new metal, and I love a lot of chorus on guitars, for me, it was still just too much, especially on the vocals. It made the overall production just feel very muddy, uh-huh. and it just filled out like all the mid-tones, and it just made it fall flat for me. And I, I liked the song of Slow Decay, but I felt like the, sh- the extra amount of chorus that was put into it was just way too much, because I was in a band years ago. And me and a friend, we would both have chorus on guitars, and then we finally realized if you have two different choruses on stage at the same time, they're just competing with each other, and it just makes everything sound like shit. Too watery. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I felt like Slow Decay was for me, and I was like, I would like this so much more if they just toned it way back. Okay. But I understood what they were going for, and like their whole element of everything for the band. I was just... I struggled with it so hard. Every time there was just like, I felt like the chorus was slapping me in the face. And Drew, why is Mark wrong? <laughs> Mark, Mark, the audio engineer over here, is like, if they, the midtones were just really messing me up on this one. We we both kind of geek out on that. You'll hear us talk a lot about like production value. And yeah, I yeah. use fancy words like, oh, it sounds too compressed. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah, I think I don't know what it means. You got to know what you're getting into with a band like this. I think like I'm, yeah. I'm with you. It wasn't it's not a song that it's going to be on repeat for me but when i was listening to it it did bring back a lot of the fun nirvana territorial pissings the vibe was there mm-hmm. the the kind of the energy that that did it for me and i thought it was fun and i you know i listened to it several times and i was like i'm good with this not on repeat for me not something that i'm like super like like i would say with the with the muddy and the and all the chorusy stuff teenage wrist hits it more where i like it okay you we- know 
You guys, I think you guys yeah. talked about Teenage Risk recently, but um, mm-hmm. we did. I like that. Like the record, it was a really decent record for both yeah. of us. Yeah. To me, that Teenage Risk not quite as wild as Mets, uh, a yeah. little more toned down, but like still had the the groovy, um, sorry, the grungy kind of chorusy guitars, a lot of kind of slightly ambient vocals. Um, but to me, Teenage Risk a little tighter, a little more put together, mm-hmm. a little easier to listen to there's a mood you need to be in for something like Mets and it's a little more wild. It's a little more loud. It's a little grungier. Yeah. I mean, I got Nirvana. I got like Nirvana vibes really hard and that made me like it. And that's, I, I take, I typically, this is where I'll go a little bit of in a different direction. I like sloppier sounding, really raw, wild, unfiltered stuff, even with, muddy production value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know Dan so, likes it sloppy. I do. I like my rock just like my <laughs> Joes. Uh, <laughs> Keeping it clean for the kids out thought there. That's, you didn't think I was going there, did you? No. Yeah. I didn't know so um, on a scale of one to five beards, what did you yep, pick? So, for, uh, this is a four beards for me. Wow. Uh, this is right in my wheelhouse. It's something I enjoy a lot. True. I mean, I'm sitting around, I'm thinking three beards. Okay. Uh, I think I'm I'm into it when I'm in the mood for it. When I'm not in the mood for it, I'm not into it. I'm just it's very mood based for me. That's fair. I understand that. I gave it two. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't it was just barely below average for me. And I really do think I mean it's also just a single. And like I've told you before, when it comes to singles, I feel like singles that have more than one song usually just wind up being garbage because there's one song that's good and then they just throw on some B sides to fill it out and give you a couple extra songs. And I typically don't enjoy that. Well, what I'm, it's interesting. You brought that up. I'm seeing, I'm starting to see a little bit of a shift and, and, um, without getting into too much of a tangent here, <laughs> more and more bands, I feel like are starting to put out small bursts of new music instead mm-hmm. of waiting to release a whole album. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, Hey, we got two songs that we wrote. Let's put out these two songs. Let's put out these three songs and then maybe they'll find their way on an album later. And I have to, I think now because you have to keep in front of people's attention spans. And so if you're putting out one 10, 12 track record a year, people forget about you before, you know, Oh, this band, like, but so you have to kind of stagger those releases. I think it's part of the industry now. I think you're right. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I picked timeless by of mice and men. So I, I've listened to Mice and Men since their first album came out. Their first two albums I really, really enjoyed. And ever since then, I just felt like they were just kind of meh. And so I was like... <laughs> of I Mice wanna... and Meh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the first track, uh, Timeless, I felt like it was a decent song. And I just felt like this album, or I should say this three-song single fell into that same category of there's one good song on there and just two songs that are filler and B-sides that would never make it onto an album. Mark, we got to have a talk, buddy, because you're <laughs> you're listening to like all of these. You're like, you're, these are two and three track things. Yeah. And I'm only listening to the title of the single. <laughs> so like, I, only li- I only reviewed Acid and I only reviewed Timeless. I didn't do the other oh, okay. two songs on there. Okay. Is well, that okay? I did, you're missing out because Obsolete, the song afterward, is phenomenal. Okay. Which isn't even the single, which kind of took me for a loop. I just thought it was great. It's it's just got this great metal guitar intro and a great chorus riff. And I was at work the first time I listened to it, and I was like, I need to go home and break up my A-string guitar and just learn this <laughs> in every octave that I can because it's going to be so much fun. Is it? Uh, it's not a cover of Fear Factory. No, absolutely. it's not. It? Okay. And so I thought it was 
super great. And I was like, that's not even the single. Wow. I'm really impressed. I kind of want to see you know, this new album, what it is going to be like. And then the song afterward anchor comes on and it just falls flat again. So I gave it, I gave it three and a half beards. Cause obviously I really, really enjoy. And I was like, that's kind of what I expect from singles. Anyway, one good song. I mean, this isn't the Reign of Kindo. Their single was unbelievable. Yeah. That one I did listen to. That was really fun. <laughs> so, uh, what did you guys think about it? Drew? I was into it. Like this is the kind of stuff I love. Okay. I mean, we're gonna get to my my picks later. And one thing I appreciate um, is like a real heavy portion of the song. I love when when everything kicks in. And you got the nice little lead riff in there that mm-hmm. kind of like it, it felt like if I was a wrestler, I would come out to this song. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, come yeah. out gay. I mean, a uh, lot of pro. <laughs> lot of pro. <laughs> I I liked it I, and I love the fact when the, the I guess the dynamic of really screamy crazy uh verses and then they switch to the hook uh-huh. and it's singable and it's got melody and the guy actually has a cool voice like I really dig that when you can do both and that's why bring me uh kind of does it for me maybe not so much it's a different thing than what we're going to talk about in this <laughs> record but I love the, the the dynamics of that just having the crazy, crunchy, mm-hmm. nasty stuff, and then boom, chorus hits, and it's like, oh, this has some pop sensibility to it. Okay, and that, and this is where I'm different because <laughs> that drives me kind of crazy. <laughs> it really, and and I, I without, I, I understand that you like it, so I don't want to, I don't want to sound condescending or, or too accusatory or anything, but I feel like it, that has become so formulaic with a lot of music that I, when I hear that, Sure. It's almost a, oh, you went there. Mm. Other bands have done that already. They've done yeah. it well. Do something else. Mm. Go in a different direction than sort of that cookie cutter. Here's what a new, not new metal, but what a right. newer mm. metal song kind of sounds like. Of Mice and Men, there have been a band I've tried to listen to a few times, and I've always kind of been really hit and miss with them for that reason. Um, Timeless as a song did have some really good qualities to it though. I think that it, uh, it was one of the better ones from the band that I'd heard in a little while and I haven't been actively listening. So I'll say that. Um, I thought musically though, timeless reminded me a little more of like thrice. Yeah, it was more like thrice, which is why I think I didn't like it so much. Okay. Because I'd like, excuse me while I punch you in the face. Ah! (laughs) Oh, I no, I love thrice. I should thrice as a body of work is excellent. But when I listen to of mice and men, I don't want to hear thrice. I want to hear metal. Actually, I actually saw uh, thrice opening for mice and men uh, a couple years ago, and uh, interesting show. That's where they got the idea. Yeah, (laughs) they're like watched their opener, and they were like, "Oh, okay." I think I can do this next. I know what I'm going to do. I thought so. I gave this three beards. I thought the production uh, of it is stellar, but I. I kind of expect that from a lot of these newer metal bands. Yeah. They really go for a very crisp sound yeah. in the studio. It's not that muddy, no. just noise for the sake of noise and, and lo-fi kind of sound like you're going to get with a band called Mets. Um, I'd love the thing I liked the most What timeless was um, there's a kind of a breakdown at the end mm-hmm. and then they do a groove to ride it out. Yeah. That was my favorite part of the track was the breakdown at the end and the, the, the groove to f- wrap it up. If they would have kept that going, I probably would have given it a higher rating, but I'm, I'm still at three beards. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. What did yeah. you- I'm sitting on three beards on this one. Like I liked it, but you're right. Not progressive necessarily good, but not like something I'm like, Oh wow. I need to hear 
I can't wait till they put out a new record or, or more music. It wasn't like drawing me in, but I was like, Hey, fun song. I'm into it. I did. I did like the guitars on it a lot. You know, I, I kind of feel like a lot of these new bands are going digital mm-hmm. with a lot of the big chunky guitars. And yeah. I, and I, I don't, not such an audiophile that I claim to be like, yeah, these guys are using the helix, you know, line six or the whatever. But, um, I, I just really dug. I dug those nasty guitar things. They're real tight, syncopated with the drums, all the big chunky stuff. I, I was into it. Three beards. I think with the digital side of it, there's since so many bands that are doing almost genty kind of music mm-hmm. and stuff that's on. I mean, eight and seven and nine string guitars and just ridiculous shit like that. Yeah, I almost feel like the digital amps or the the setups that they're doing is the only way they can get some of the clarity so you can really hear the notes that they're playing yeah. otherwise it's just going to bleed together you're yeah. not going to get a mix any, or something yeah it's a lot of that so so that's again why when i recognize that oh the production's really clear but i also kind of expect it because if it wasn't it would kill the song yeah and interesting like so bands like thrice uh dustin almost entirely digital where Tepe is almost, in, I think, does way more just uh, tube amps and more natural sounds. Mm-hmm. And you get those working together. It sounds cool. You get the best of both worlds. Uh, but yeah, I, I was into it. Cool. So what, since you're, we're going to go with yours since you're the guest. Yeah. Your album okay. first. What did you pick? And then why did you pick it? All right. So I picked the uh, the album Amo from Bring Me the Horizon. And uh, these guys... Um, this is actually the record, actually the first record I heard from them. I was unfamiliar with the band previously, but I went back. And if you go back and see their kind of progression, you know, there's this British band started out like their first records are so heavy and just wild. And like, it's almost indiscernible <laughs> what's going on <laughs> in the songs. It's just him drug addiction screaming. Um, and then every single record, one, one thing I love about this band is like every record kind of, they, they reinvent themselves at least slightly. Mm. And so if you go through, um, all their, all their releases, you kind of go, Oh yeah, they're, they're not just doing, they're not nickelbacking this thing. Same, same, uh, style, same, uh, strategy each thing, each time. So I would say the Amo record, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. Your um, guess is as good as mine, which I think is just like French for love or something. But, um, mm. um, I think it's one of their most, is that a more? Oh, maybe it's maybe it's just I don't know. It's some sort of it's a wherever he's wherever the lead singer's from. It's a okay. Yeah, I think it came from something his dad. Could be slang. His dad used to say this, and it's something. It's love related. It's very close to Amor or something like that. But um, so this record is probably their most poppy uh, album that you're gonna find. It has the most pop sensibilities. Um, there are a lot of nasty guitars on there, but it has so much synth and electronic mm-hmm. and and drum programming and. And just like there's a vibe with this record, it's got it's got a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. Yeah, love the lyrics in it. They're they have their band that has they're really saying something with every song, and you can kind of like you can feel that. And I think when you get great music, you get really uh, passionate uh, lyrics, uh, and then the vocalist Ollie is just like he's the heart and soul of the band in the in the emotional kind of sense. You really it, they're uh, to me a great. Uh, a great band that really brings it together on kind of all levels. And as you go through the record, you get to see uh, a lot of different looks from them. Like there's completely, there's an instrumental, almost electronic mm-hmm. instrumental. There's mantra, which is like a crazy, just balls out rock song. And then there's medicine, which is just like the poppiest thing they've ever done. It's, it's, it's a fun record. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to it. 
Medicine uh, did remind me a little bit of like a Bon Jovi. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically because he has bad medicine yeah. as the song. And I, I went, okay, that, that uh, a little bit. Uh, I was, yeah, I was surprised at how much pop influence there was on this record. This is, I, I'll, Mark and I are probably going to say the same thing. Neither one of us have really listened to Bring Me the Horizon prior to this week leading up to this. And I was so shocked. I, I had, I guess I had an expectation for what mm-hmm. this was going to sound like for me. Um, bring me the horizon was a band that I kind of lumped into a category of bands and they kind of all start with B, which was weird. <laughs> and I think that's why I didn't do it. Cause I would like, I would get them confused with bullet for my Valentine or black Dahlia murder or between the buried in me. And, um, even though the, to those fans, they'd probably be like, no, their world's different. Yeah. I never really listened to those because they all kind of came out at the same time and, and it just, they sort of sat in a dark corner and I didn't, I didn't go there. Um, so digging into this, I was impressed with the genre jumping that they did, Mm -hmm. how they were able to incorporate elements of heaviness into kind of the pop vibe. Um, some of it was really strong. Some of it was hits and miss for me. Um, but I really felt like, without having the benefit of listening to their back catalog, this seemed like a band that was trying to do something new. Um, I got that feeling like this was very different from them. Reminded me of the first album I heard by My Morning Jacket, Evil Urges. And I don't know if you guys have listened to that band a whole lot or not. They are a indie Southern rock kind of folk band. And they come out with this Evil Urges album and it's got funk and it's got Prince sounding stuff on it and it's so different and that was the first thing I heard from them and I loved it and some of their other fans were like no this is horrible why did you change (laughs) and I got the same feeling that with Bring Me the Horizon was probably the same thing I imagine there was some backlash when this record came out yeah like you listen to like the heavy metal track he calls out he's calling out his fans going this ain't heavy metal (laughs) and and so what if you don't like it kind of F you and I think because he's been feeling that, because every time they switch up their style a little bit, the hard there's a, always a I'm sure a segment of the hardcore fans that they're like, "What are you doing? We want the crazy stuff from like 2010." Yeah, you know? don't change. Yeah, I did like. Um, there's a lot of guests on this record. Yeah, which was interesting, and it's it's such a wide variety. Grimes is on a track, and then yeah. like two tracks later, it's got the dude from Cradle of Filth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, oh gosh, what's that show? Um, uh, the IT. Oh, the IT, uh, the crowd? IT crowd. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cradle of Filth. <laughs> dude, I haven't thought about Cradle of Filth since the nineties. Yeah. Since I accident, since I bought one of their records off of Columbia House because I thought the cover was cool, <laughs> and I fucking hated it. And I don't remember what record it was, but I was like, Cradle of Filth fucking sucks. And then I listened to that song, and I was like, that does not sound like Cradle of Filth no. from what I remember. He's got that gravelly. He's not even like super featured on the song. He's in there. Yeah, but it's, it's almost, almost like, like a he's mix. Way back in the mix. You like, just have this there's extra gravelly voice in there and yeah. but love that song and it, it speaks right to what you're talking about. Yeah. So I I felt like the album well first of I don't all, like your tone already. No, 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 no. <laughs> let, me, let me get to it. Let me get to it. Initially I came in like a, with Dan, the same place. I thought this was just gonna be some like radio rock band or radio metal band. 
And initially I was like, wow, okay, they're trying out something new, which I always really enjoy. I don't like bands that just stay stagnant. I always like to see someone try and push the boundary. Even if you don't do it right or it doesn't work, still at least try. Because I appreciate the effort. Yeah, yeah I appreciate the effort because that, to me, that's what makes music fun is when you're always trying to do something, do something new rather than just, oh, I'm going to do the same six classic rock cover songs and do 12 Eagle songs every night kind of thing. It's just boring. Like, it's fun to do those songs, but you got to challenge yourself. At least I like to do that. Like, uh, I apologize if you feel something I thought was interesting. Mantra wasn't my favorite, but I understood it. And I was like, okay, this is good. Nihilist blues in the dark. I was like, okay, these are okay. Wonderful life came on. And I instantly was like, Whoa, what is this? (laughs) I love instant. Love that song. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm adding this to my playlist this is going to be my regular rotation and then ouch comes on afterwards and it was it's completely a departure from everything before it it's this little two minute electronic funky euro jam thing <laughs> it's so good it's only two minutes i, I like, wanted that to, to be, be longer. longer me too i loved it i was like you said oh, euro man. i got kanye vibes from that a little bit a little bit yeah it's in the album it keeps like taking these little detours here and there, which made it interesting. It yeah. was so not what I expected. I thought, you know what? This is so much better than I thought it was going to be because I had categorized it as just some radio metal band. And I was like, wow, it's kind of a shame. I didn't give these guys a chance at all ever. And I thought it was a solid album. I, I think so. Let me ask you this, Drew. Is there anything that you feel was kind of a miss for this? Ooh, man, I, I really, the thing about, one thing I love about this record is I can listen to it front to back and appreciate almost like every single track. There's a few that are not quite as um, like Fresh Bruises, I think is maybe one of the tracks that maybe not my favorite if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, but I just, I mean, it's just fun. It keeps it different. Like it's not like you're hearing the same sounds and the same songs back to back to back. So every song, like you said, you're, you're kind of on a journey mm-hmm. with the band. And if you listen to it front to back, you kind of like, you kind of experience it maybe the way they really obviously intended you to do it. And it's nice. I, I, I don't think there's anything um, that I would change about this record. It's super fun. Like even the, the sugar, honey, ice and tea, yeah. <laughs> which that's the thing his dad used to say to not say shit. He would say uh, sugar, honey, ice, and tea. Oh, that's as, really as, funny. As a cute, cutesy little thing or whatever. When I was a kid, my mom didn't want me to say Jesus Christ. So I would say <laughs> cheese and rice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was funny. And that's also kind of th- also kind of a, a throwback to their That's the Spirit song okay. off a previous record where they kind of have these chanty, um, chanty kind of uh, hooks that aren't him necessarily singing. It's like other voices or group vocals or whatever. And so, I don't know, huge win for me. I fell in love with this record and it's what caused me to go back in their in their back catalog and just, mm-hmm. and I fall in love with everything that they've, they've done and I appreciate kind of the progression of the band. So like, this is a, this is a five bearder for me. Nice. This, this, is okay. a, this is a big record. I'm super into it and I'll fight you. I'm glad that you, (laughs) I'm glad that you chose it because I, I I am glad that I got a chance to listen to this band. Uh, yeah, overall. Okay. Two things. Number one, this band knows how to write catchy shit. Yes, they really do. Some of the songs got stuck in my head for a long time. Sugar, honey, ice and tea was Mm -hmm. one. Uh, why you always kick me when I'm down? Why you got to kick me when I'm down? That song just lived in my head for like the whole day after I listened to it the first time. I loved heavy metal. I liked the, I liked featuring Rozelle, the beatboxer <laughs> yeah. in it. 
He's in a band that I like a lot called Peeping Tom with uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More. I talk about like ungodly the, every week, probably too much. <laughs> um, Mike, if you're listening, I love you. Let's hang out. <laughs> I'd be really good for you. Uh, <laughs> I loved, I loved how they tried different genres in this. There was one song, and this drove me absolutely bananas. Okay, so one of the things that I have a bad habit bad habit of doing with Mark, ask him, is when I hear something in a track, and if I hear, to me, it sounds like something else, I cannot rest until I find out what that (laughs) is. This, there's a song on this record, and it had this one part, and it goes like, and and I spent almost the whole week I'm not going to lie. I like downloaded Shazam <laughs> on my phone and I'm singing that line into it because I know it reminded me of something I heard. It took me until Thursday night and I finally figured out what the song was Thursday night. It kind of came to me and I was like, okay, and it's this like really obscure fucking ween song <laughs> called Happy Colored Marbles that when I listened to it, I went, wow, okay, so it's the same notes, but it sounds not like it at all. Right. I was just hearing some similarities there in this the these yeah. two notes. And then I forgot what song it was <laughs> on the Bring Me to the Horizon uh, thing. So I tried to go back and listen to it to see how accurate I was, and I have no idea. So this is leaving, uh, I'm, I feel unresolved. I feel unfulfilled because of that. But overall, okay, Really decent. I was surprised at how much I like this. I love that they're dabbling in different genres. Um, I'll probably go and check out some of their other stuff just to see what it sounds like. But is this going to be something that I'm going to go back to a lot? The answer is probably not. It probably won't end up in a heavy rotation for me, but I'm going to give it three and a half beards. Uh, I'll give it four and a half beards. And I'd say I don't like it as much as Drew, but I do like it a lot. I would say at least three quarters of the songs I'll listen to again and again and again. There's just like probably three or I'm just like not really doing much for me, but definitely. And, and the thing I liked about, so my girlfriend loves bringing me the horizon. I never even listened to I mean, If she had it on the car, I just kind of like tuned it out. And so she was like, Oh so no, you have I listened to them before. No, no, trust me. <laughs> I was thinking about something else. Well, at least you don't tune <laughs> out your, at least you tune out, you don't tune out your girlfriend. No, <laughs> That's nice. no, I know better than do that. Um, <laughs> So she was explaining to me how on this album, there's a lot of callbacks to other like stuff like ouch is a callback to a previous song. He's like, Oh, you know, I told you I'd go to hell and I didn't think you go fuck the devil. And so there's like all this other stuff for heaven's sake. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. So now that made me want to go, I want to go listen to their back catalog now because I was like, I like it when bands build on stuff. And I also like it when, there's lyrically, there's some substance there, you know, what, no matter what it is, if there's substance there, if whoever's singing, they're expressing something for some reason, pain always is a great way to come through rock music or metal music. I always dig it, which is why I like of mice and men, particularly the first two albums. I thought you were going to say that's why you liked ouch. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what really drew me to this pain more than (laughs) than ouch. (laughs) Give me some credit. (laughs) So yeah, four and a half beards, definitely more than I thought it would give when I first, you said, bring me the horizon, but I'm glad you brought it you know, to our attention. And that's one awesome thing I love about doing this podcast with Dan and having now having guests on is, you know, finding new things that you would never give a chance before music that you would never even consider. And then finding stuff like, wow, I really do enjoy this. 
Because music is so much more than just, oh, I'm going to listen to the same artist, six artists that I like over and over again. You're really limiting yourself when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe also like, I think when you, when you find a record, what, what you're going through in your life can really make an impact on whether you attach to the record or not. Right. And for me, like this record was right in between a breakup and, and getting and meeting someone new. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this record kind of really lyrically touches on kind of both sides of the coin. Like that last song is so emotional. Yes. The I don't know what to say. Yeah. It turns out it's about uh, his friend who uh, was diagnosed with cancer, uh, but also feels much like a relationship thing. And Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I got just goosebumps just thinking about that song because it is very emotional, but I think where I was mentally when I found it made me so much more receptive to the record. Yeah. Now, music definitely will do that. And I, I, many, over the years, I can probably pick out dozens of albums where I was going through something and some album or song or collection of songs just like brought you through that and felt like, to me, it always felt like this music was walking through that part of life with you. And so like when you go back, you can feel you like, oh, I remember that or I was feeling this at the time. It's very nostalgic and sometimes good ways, sometimes bad ways, but I always enjoy that about that. It's like that scene in High Fidelity where he's rearranging his record collection and the guy is like, like they're so nerdy that the guy that works in the music store comes in. He's like, oh, you're rearranging your records. He's like, how are you doing? He's like, are you not doing it alphabetically? He's like, no, I'm doing it chronologically. <laughs> it's like, I have to remember. He's like, if I want to listen to this one Elton John song, I have to remember that I dated so-and-so in uh, second grade. And then and he, and he's guys like, holy shit. He's like, I want to stay and help you. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, what did you pick this week? Yeah. So, so uh, Mark and I kind of flipped a coin drew because we, we knew we probably wouldn't have time to do three albums. Sure. So we flipped a coin and I won the coin toss to pick the other record we would review this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so next week, Mark, let's, or next time we have a guest on, uh, yeah. I will, I will forfeit my selection. Uh, so you can have one this week. This is a new band for me there. I love when I find new bands that I hadn't heard and I get to start with records that are a little bit older and, and sort of follow their career up. This is a band called Algiers. The record is called The Underside of Power. Algiers is a band who is a three-piece band. Um, they are they met, they're all guitar players by trade, but they do other instruments as well. Mm-hmm. And this it, the record's called The Underside of Power. Um, this is such a noise-driven instrumental record with soul, with some yeah. serious soul i'm gonna tell y'all right now um i fell in love with this immediately and i've been listening to it nonstop all week this uh i I can't believe how fucking unbelievably good this band is to me this is just this represents so much of what i look for in new music it's creative it's got melody to it it's got a ton of passion a ton of uh, emotion coming through in this. Uh, there's bold choices in what they decide to do in this record. Um, I absolutely love this. Their singer, Franklin James Fisher, incredible voice and is doing some really unique things that have, uh, a lot of presence, a lot of ties to older music too, but repackaged and represented in a brand new way. And this is just an absolutely amazing record for me. It's musical. It's noisy. It's haunting. It's moving. It's passionate. It is everything that I look for in it. Um, a couple of times it reminds me of British group, the heavy, which did this sort of 
60s soul Motown revival, but with an edge to it Mm -hmm. for the modern times. And their big song was How You Like Me Now uh, that came out that was everywhere a few years back. When the Heavy first started, they were a little noisier of a group. Uh, I I remember seeing them. How I found out about the Heavy was kind of cool. Some girl that I knew posted it on her MySpace page. (laughs) It was the song that played when you landed on our MySpace page. And I was like, who is this? It's amazing. And I went and found their record and bought it. And uh, man, I just, I, I love this record so much. Uh, it, it's, it's just outstanding. What an opening, you know, starting off with like Chairman Fred Hampton mm-hmm. uh, giving a, a speech. And then the way that it just launches in, I'm hooked from the get-go. Uh, so... I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I could rave and rant and, and just go off about this record for hours if you let me, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. So I immediately recognized and enjoyed like the soul aspect and the vocals. I was like, wow, I was not expecting this at all. And then the part that I really enjoyed how they blended with it. They didn't do it all the time, but there's a couple of tracks in particular where there's this like nineties industrial vibe to stuff, which I was huge into industrial music back in the nineties. I loved it. And I was like, Whoa, I would have never thought to put those two things together. And I was like, and how well that works really like blew me away because at first I'm like, wait, what's going on here? The vocals with this, this does, this has never been done before. This shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. <laughs> These two things should not go together. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt myself just sitting there just like nodding my head to the groove of the beat. And I was like, this is so like 1998 industrial. And this is so, but this just, oh, it was so good. It's such a wonderful juxtaposition. Yeah. And, and it's, it's yeah. How they married those two things. Uh, is just incredible to me. Yeah, I the first the first three four songs really are my favorites. I really liked it. The latter half, if to me it felt like it was doing some more of the same things, even though it wasn't. I don't know. It was a really weird vibe. Overall, though, the the vocals just kept me into it. That's the thing that kept carrying me along. Was this is this guy is just such a phenomenal vocalist. I was like, I want to hear what else he can do. Uh, same here. I I kind of cheated a little bit and started listening to their second record. And I'm happy to say that with that, they're growing a little more as a band. So I'm really going to continue to follow and listen to these guys. Um, and their one track I was I had on on the way up here to your house, Mark, what had almost like a Michael Jackson meets industrial vibe to it. So he's <laughs> he's growing as a singer, but they're also incorporating different musical elements too a little bit. Um, yeah, I dig it. What did you think, Drew? Yeah, this definitely hit or miss for me. It was it was weird. I found the things that stood out to me maybe the opposite things that you guys like. So like <clears throat> the soulful side that was like a little too reminiscent of like like there was a few times like I was singing an old like Motown song in my head over the top of their songs. Uh, and it was tough. Like for me, the ones, the tracks that I love the most were probably the least soulful, mm-hmm. like death March and Cleveland okay. were my two tracks that I was like, okay. And I think what I, uh, appreciated the most was the tracks that incorporated more synth, more program drums. I think this is a, uh, as someone who does some video work and stuff, I was thinking these songs are epic movie soundtrack songs. Yeah. yeah. It was to me, it was a tough listen in the car. Like that it's not my style at all. Okay. And so as I'm listening, I was like, ah, uh, yeah, this is kind of tough to listen to at parts, but when I put my brain into movie mode, 
uh, I go, oh, wow. Uh, there's just so many big vocal, like there's this thing they do multiple times in the record where it's just this big ambient group vocals. Um, and those were just epic, like very epic uh, soundtracky kind of stuff that I enjoyed. But the soulful stuff when it was like, when it felt like it was leaning too much into the Motown, I kind of I kind of pulled back and I mm. wasn't quite as into those parts and I was into the parts that were a little more uh, a little less of that a little more synth a little more uh, programmed and a little more modern. I'll self admit a lot of music that I like has a cinematic quality to it. Either in I I like stuff that's theatrical. I like stuff that's over the top. It's big. Yeah. It's it's big in its presentation. Um. I I typically I get to I get drawn to that kind of stuff. Um. I I was joking about this with a friend of mine earlier this week because he was he was talking about the new Chevelle record. He was like, oh, I, I really like the new Chevelle's record. And I was like, man, I listen to it. It's not really for me. And he's like, well, what are you listening to right now? I was like, honestly, the soundtrack to Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like clearly, <laughs> okay, I, I, you know, I like enough of film and, and I like music that has that quality to it. So I can see why you wouldn't be prone to that. For me, though, man, this record, this is a fucking perfect record for me. Usually Mark and I sit down and we map out what are the best tracks and what are the worst tracks. Mm-hmm. I wrote down best tracks. For me, Walk Like a Panther, what an opening. That's mm-hmm. the opening track. Um, I did think, I'm so glad I watched Judah and the Black Messiah before hearing that song because I probably wouldn't have known who Chairman Fred Hampton was before mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and knowing that and having this come out in 2017, that added to the impact of it a little bit for sure. me. Um, it, it raised my awareness of it. Cry of the Martyrs, I thought. It's got this second half of that is so intense. It's got this like guitar and bass drop thing that happens in that track, and I loved it. I loved A Murmur, A Sign, with the layered harmonies and that kind of over-reverberated guitar that they had. And then um, even like the MME Rue uh, track was a was kind of a cool change of pace towards the end where they slowed it down and went in a different groove. Mm-hmm. So, And then I wrote for Worst. Not available. This record is fucking perfect. Five beards. (laughs) Five beards all the way for me. Was there a track called Not Available? Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I gave it three and a half. It's not something I listen to all the time, but there's a lot of good stuff on here. And I do want to see what the rest of their stuff sounds like, especially their newer stuff, too. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to be the dissenter. I think I'm going to out of five for me on this one, because it's just not my personal uh, style, but I could appreciate them. I mean, the vocals are, are crazy good. Yeah. Um, there was definitely moments on the record that I could really connect with. And there was a lot of tune outs for me where I just wasn't quite feeling it. But like I said, the cinematic qualities also, uh, just the way the fact that it's a three piece band, I didn't know that. And that kind of blew my mind because I felt like it was like a 25 piece band. Yeah. It, yeah. The music sounds huge. Yeah, it's really, it's got a style. They're doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the thing about music is like the, when it's so unique and so specific to a genre or a style or a thing, is going to, some people are going to fall in love deeply with it. Some people are going to be like, meh, not really for me. It wasn't really for me, but totally appreciate the band, appreciate some of the songs way more than others. And um, I'd be curious. I would I would definitely probably pop in and check on their their more recent releases to see what what's changing. But just so such an interesting uh, collaboration of modern synth 
drum programmed and then like this really old school vibe that's that runs deep in the band yeah that i think that's the thing that drew me to it there's another band that i like that does it does a similar thing but with heavy metal and black metal called uh. zeal and ardor and i was i was talking about mm-hmm. that with mark and i had heard zeal and ardor first and so hearing this and kind of listening to it i i caught on to some similarities but yeah this just crushed it for me <laughs> what did you rate it mark you said three and a half. Uh, three and a half. That's yeah. right. You said three and a half. I was listening. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't tuning out the negativity. <laughs> there he goes. Off to write that hit song, Alone in My Principles. Uh, <laughs> that's two Tom that- Hanks references in one podcast, guys. <laughs> one from Drew and one from me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, real quick before we wrap up, what did you pick for next week, Dan? Okay. I've been wanting to review this record for a little while. There's a new record by a band called the Psychedelic Porn Crumpets uh, that we're going to review next week. <laughs> what? That you heard that correct. The band is called Psychedelic Porn Crumpets. Uh, yeah, well. The album is called Shiga. All caps, S-H-Y-G-A, exclamation point, The Sunlight Mound. So <laughs> next week, we're going to review Psychedelic Porn Crumpets' Shiga, The Sunlight Mound. That sounds like autocorrect, an, uh, an autocorrect it's, text it's, message. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> That sounds interesting. I've never heard them before, so this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to pick something really old and really obscure. I'm going to pick the album American Standard by Everyday Life. Was that not also the name of the Seven Mary Three record with Cumbersome? I don't know the Seven Mary Three record. You don't? Oh, I mean, that's a great that's a great record. If you in the nineties, I could review killer. that record right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's too heavy, too light, too, <laughs> too wrong, too right, <laughs> too black, too white. So yeah, Very this cool. is going to be something that uh, I know it's going to challenge you, Dan. But I, I don't know. There's a lot. I want to hear your opinions on it because I know you're not big on a lot of the nineties, uh, like rap metal but this okay. is what it is. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of sloppiness to this, which I really enjoy. Like it's the production in the guitar playing. It's just, there's a, there's like a messiness to this band, which I really like. Cause I'm all for that. I, I like it when like, it, it sounds he like likes his music. Like he likes his jokes. Exactly. I do. Nice and slappy. (laughs) There's, I saw these guys live. So I think I always kind of go back to that experience of seeing them live. And it's that very like live raw energy. It's not a perfect set. This band doesn't play to a click track, but there's so much emotion and so much feeling and so much heaviness to the music, which is what makes it so powerful. If that can typically with stuff like that, if it transcends the, parts of the music that I don't like, I'll end up liking it more than not liking it. Unless it's just something that it hits me and rubs me the wrong way. So I'm, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun week. And I looked it up just now. Uh-huh. And that is also the name of the seven Mary <laughs> American standard. standard. Uh, Cause I remember they named it after the toilet company. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This, the album, the first, this album had two different covers in the first one. When I first bought it, it had a picture of a urinal on it and it said American standard, you know, from like the American standard urinals. Yeah. So I was, it's like a 16 year old. I was like, fuck yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really a urinal. <laughs> So I really enjoyed that as a young, you know, adolescent. So do we only give it two ratings, number one or number two? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to pick which one is the better That's one. That's right. 
<laughs> okay, well, uh, Drew, before we wrap up, is there any social media you want to share? Sure. If you want to hook me up on the Instagrams or pretty much everything, it's Drew is Talkward, like awkward, but talk. Okay. And Dan, you can find Dan on Instagram at Dwight Privilege. You can find me at Mr. Underscore Pockets 21, or you can send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com and you can make suggestions. We've had a few suggestions and uh, eventually we're going to get to them. Uh, the I think the big one we got well, a couple weeks ago Periphery. was to do Periphery's Ooh. album Hail Stand. So we're going to do that. We're going to. I want to wait for a couple more suggestions, but I've been looking forward to do that. We'll do that one soon. I've but been it, tracking the suggestions as you've been telling them to me. We have four right now. Okay, cool. Four, four to choose from, but three of them are from Adam Radley. So those three don't count. So like, so we have one. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would a podcast be if you didn't crap on Adam Radliff at least one it's, time? Yeah, it's... <laughs> We try to do it because you once. you know he's listening. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one. Yeah, because <laughs> he has no life, so all he does yeah. is listen to podcasts. <laughs> Everybody else is like, "Sorry, I'm too busy being in a happy, committed relationship to listen to podcasts." Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see y'all next week.